You are listening to Storytelling with a Purpose, a Memory Fox production. I'm your host, Celine Krizan, and today we are joined by Lindsay Lachelle. Lindsay um, really markets herself as marketing just isn't her job. It really is her purpose. She's a marketing advocate. Um, Open Lines Consulting is really where her focus is, and she just is brilliant and has, I can't wait for you to hear from her today. Um, but Lindsay, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Wow. What an introduction. Thanks, Lean. That's lovely. So let's talk about, I know you have a lot of, a lot of, in your background, entrepreneurship, passion about access, um, nonprofit. So can you tell us your story um, of how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So uh, it's definitely one of those things where I spent my whole career sort of wandering through making like the next good decision without thinking about the bigger picture. Yes. And so it wasn't until really this gig that all of the things that I was good at and all of the things that I cared about finally came together into one job. So I had started started my career in startups because I was alive and in the Bay Area during the late 90s. So I did that and then got really disillusioned. And that's when I started to really look for purpose in my work. And so I went back to school and I got my teaching credential and I taught elementary mm. school, uh, fourth and fifth grade first in Oakland Unified, and then in West Contra Costa. Um, and that was an incredible learning experience for me, right? Like I, I had the startups had exposed me to and started to open my eyes to uh, some privilege and, you know, just sort of understanding, uh, <laughs> watching a bunch of rich white dudes move around other rich white dudes money, right? That was <laughs> yep. sort of what that was about. And then, so when I went to go teach in these, in these, uh, really undersupported neighborhoods, I learned a whole different thing about privilege and that was fascinating. And so, um, but as with many, many teachers, especially young ones, I had college debt and I was single. And so I didn't mm -hmm. have a lot of emotional support and it was just too hard. So I lasted five years in the classroom, which is exactly the average for teacher burnout. Uh, and then I got recruited back into technology. So I worked for um, a serial entrepreneur for many years, uh, basically just his henchwoman, which was amazing. It was like a practical MBA. And then, um, and then I transitioned into marketing agencies. So I worked for two different marketing agencies before I started my own. And that was really, uh, I mean, the thing I was the most proud of, right? When my friends wanted to make fun of me, they'd be like, I'm Lindsay, I'm a job creator. Like it was, you know, I, I loved, I loved that job. I loved being an entrepreneur, even though I didn't, didn't ever think I would be, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, wasn't on my to-do list. Um, and part of why I was excited to start my own company was because it meant I would be able to pick my own clients, right? It meant that right. I would be able to focus on finding organizations and individuals that their success was something that we would be proud to contribute to, you know? And so that sort of began this process for me where then the um, agency became a B Corp and I was really, really proud of our um, sort of purpose-driven certification there. Um, and the, but the, you know, pandemic had a lot of economic effects for a lot of people yep. and uh, we lost a ton of our clients. And so in the summer of 2020, I was having these sales calls, trying to find clients, trying to find anybody. And of course, nobody signing like six figure agency contracts right. in the summer of 2020. Right. right. So I was like, sort of saw the writing on the wall, wasn't going to rebuild my business, wouldn't, wasn't going to rebuild the agency, but uh, I kept having these conversations with these really exciting, interesting, purpose-driven people. And they would say, I don't need you to do the marketing for me. I need you to give me a plan. 
can you give me the strategy? And I, w- and I, I was like, oh, well, yeah, for sure. And so I, I had this workshop that I built specifically for nonprofits. It was just like a do-gooder side hustle that I was doing, right? It was like mm-hmm. trying to um, help really small and really new nonprofits start with like strong marketing strategies. So it was like a one day long workshop. I took that workshop. I transitioned it into a consulting model. And then I start, I brought it back to those leads. And I said, does this, is this going to meet your needs? And of the five people I offered it to, three of them closed. And so it was just like, oh, okay. So this is my job. Like this, I found my problem. I found a solution. Yes. That's it. That's it. And so it was like the easiest pivot. I'm so grateful that I didn't have to agonize over whether or not to keep going with the agency. I didn't have to agonize. Like it was just like such a clear sign that like, this is what I'm good at. And this is what fires me up. Like it really was the thing I was missing as I was running an agency. And so, cause we, you know, you only get to do strategy when you onboard a new client. And that wasn't, you know, when we worked on retainer, so there wasn't a lot of new client onboarding, you know, every few months we would get a new one or whatever. Um, you know, and now I have capacity to do Well, I mean, it depends on the model, but you know, 10, 20 new strategies a month. And it's super fun. It gets me all fired up. So that's how I became a marketing activist. Basically it is now it's like I solve marketing for my clients so that they can solve the real problems. See, I love that. Um, and I also love that you started with, you're like, Hey, I was a teacher and I think everyone has, should be a teacher at some point in their Ooh. life because oh, it makes you yeah. empathetic. It allows you to like, to share ideas in a convincing way. And it also shows you how to hold a room and make and be able to feel where people are and, and see the perspective. So I think that, and personally that's grounded me throughout my career. It was like, I taught for a while. I still teach Mm -hmm. a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's really powerful. Um, Absolutely. I want to dive in though. Let's talk about, so your approach and the way you think through things, you know, there's a sweet spot between being effective in your marketing and efficient in your marketing yep. channels. Yep. And for nonprofits, it's hard for us to find a balance of both and even any small team that you're operating on, right? Because we wear a mm-hmm. multitude of different hats. So yeah. when you're starting building out a strategy, mm-hmm. how do you balance those two? And what would you recommend for us nonprofit marketers to start thinking through that? Mm, so good. Yeah. So, so. In my process, I understand the way that I personally define strategy is first identify the opportunities and second prioritize them for execution. So that's like okay. I have this okay. very clear okay. picture. And so if you if you are if you haven't done those two steps, do those things first. Like first thing is actually look at everything. Look at your donors, look at your mm-hmm. stakeholders, look at all your other personas and really say, okay, what what do they need from us? Where are they on the internet or in the world when they are, when they need that information and then, and then force yourself to like stick to the why, right? Don't send a newsletter to uh, your entire list that includes stakeholders and institutional donors and private donors. Like those people care about different things. So you are better off sending one newsletter just to those donors that speaks specifically to what they need and not emailing the rest of of the list. Like, honestly, like sending one email to the whole, everybody just means you're missing the mark for everybody. So if you don't have the resources for that, don't do it. Do if you, if you can only send one newsletter, be intentional about here's who it's for. Here's where they're at in their relationship with us. Here's what they need from us. Right. Super intentional. 
And I, I love that you're saying that because sometimes we just like throw things against the wall and are, and then you keep doing them. You're like, well, we always do it. Right. Um, being right. thoughtful and intentional and taking an inventory of it um, is uncomfortable, right? Because how do we, oh, I need to now make the time to actually see what I'm, what I'm executing on and what I'm doing. Totally. Um, so how do you push against that resistance? How do, how do you say, okay, let's, no, it's, this is purposeful and there's a reason why we're doing that. Yeah, it's, it can be really hard. It can be really political. Like I do have to acknowledge that, right? Because there's a lot of nonprofit marketing is like the ED told us we have to, right? Like I hear that all the time and I, and I understand, um, you know, I know from being inside and outside of nonprofits, like I know that there are, there's usually under-resourced in terms of time, under-resourced in terms of skill. There's usually a good bit of FOMO. There's usually a good bit of imposter syndrome, right? These are like the cultural norms for the people who like make our philanthropy, like our, this, these systems work. And I, and I see that and I empathize with it. And so for me, I think the first, the first step is to be honest about it, right? Like I have, like, I'm very defensive on behalf of people who do marketing and nonprofits because most of the time they don't actually have the skill set to do what they're being asked to do, or they don't have the time to do what they're being asked to do. And I, and I don't know, I, I, I do hold EDs more responsible for being a little bit more self-aware about these things. I hear you. I hear you. you. And so is Um, it, so that's, if you could role model just a little bit of like what that conversation would look like. So like I'm taking an inventory of Mm -hmm. what we're doing. How would you suggest like, uh, and again, a low level marketing person to bring that to their ED? How, what would you, what would you recommend there? Yeah, I think there's a few strategies that I help my clients adopt. Um, One of them is to bring it from the point of view of obviously like, you know, this, the strategy, what I've described, right. So you, so there's like, I have, like, I started, um, I'll, I'll more formally introduce like my five questions. Right. And so I help my clients adopt, uh, like internal systems where it's like, Mm -hmm. if you are being asked to execute on things, then you can create a system where what's being given to you works a little bit better for your workload. So you could, so, so the five questions, so it's like, it's basically a strategy brief where you're like, you know, somebody says, okay, send a newsletter. Great. Question number one, who's it for? Question number two, where are they in their journey? Number three, what do they care about? Right. What's important to them? Number four, what's our call to action? Why are we bothering them at all? There has to be an ask and it has to be explicit awareness. That's not a call to action. That's not a thing. So would, and how many call to actions? Like you recommend one. Roy, I where like are one. you? Where do you fall on that? Yeah. Okay. I like one. You've got to be a really well-developed, like established shop. Like you need to really know what you're doing to start to get more complicated than that. Absolutely. Like this is like, just make it straightforward. And then the fifth thing is what's the topic? But you know, like none of those, uh, the topic is the last question that gets answered. It could be a measles recipe. It doesn't matter as long as you're addressing those other things. So, so if you say, so if you're the receptionist, you're being asked to put this thing out, you can say to the ED, in order to balance my workload, in order to make sure I get this done on time, in order to cut down on back and forths, I'm going to ask for these things ahead of time. And I need them a week before the newsletter needs to get sent. 
And that way I know I will have the time I need to execute this as well as it needs to be done. No ED is going to be like, I mean, there will be, there's resistance in terms of like, that's a new policy, you know, that's a new new process, right? They're overwhelmed as well and all that kind of stuff, but they're never going to say, no, I'd rather you do a shitty job. Right. And like have half ass this thing and put it out late and inconsistently, they are gonna try to support that process. And so that so so that's the easiest sort of I rely on processes a lot, I, which you'll hear about because I'm like in for the webinar that I'm doing, right? It's hell like the yeah, same I can't sort wait. Of thing. I can't yeah. wait to talk about that. And I know you talk about delegation a lot, which we all need to hear yeah. as nonprofit leaders so much. Yeah. Um but let's talk about, so you also have a lot of ideas for low-hanging fruit opportunities. So I understand, so I am I have to evaluate what I'm doing as a nonprofit leader. I have to evaluate what I'm doing as a marketer in a small team and really any role. But what, how do you identify and can you give us some ideas of what are some low-hanging fruit? Yes. So this is going to be super controversial, but I'm so comfortable with Oh, it. I'm so Here. excited. Ready? <laughs> Unless you can see a direct impact from the effort that you put into social media and the long-term impact and sustainability of your work, stop it. Just don't waste your time there. Social okay, that's pause there. Damn. Okay. <laughs> like I'm gonna stop you so you can explain that in more depth because okay. that made my soul feel like itchy, right? Because but I I hear oh, and I see what you're saying you have to. because you're like, well, I have to be, I have to be, I have to be there. Um, has it become just like easy work, which sounds silly. You're like, oh, it's become my checklist. Like it's just part of my life and I'm not actually measuring return. What, what is your response? So, I mean, this system is way bigger than us. This is almost never about our content or our audiences. Mm-hmm. This is about the algorithms and the stockholders and like all that garbage. Right. So, so the thing is that like social media has changed. What used to be true is that like a decent amount of effort executed at a decent level will get you some pretty good organic audience growth. That is, that was true. It's not true anymore. It's not we should true be anymore. honest about that. And we should mm-hmm. start being honest about that because instead what we have is like, we have organizations that are like on one hand, continuing to do the thing they were doing before which it's like functionally is just flushing their, their uh, resources, right? Cause it's not generating the same kinds of engagement or audience opportunities that it used to. And then on the other, or the other side is you stopped doing it all together and you abandoned your audiences. You've just like walked away. And so now you feel guilty or there's FOMO or there's all kinds of other things. Right. So there's like, it's lose, lose right now uh, until you recalibrate the way that you think about it. And so for me, social media is no longer like it used to be this opportunity to just get in front of people and remind them that you exist and engage them with your content. And that's all lovely. That's not what it does anymore. So to me, I think instead of like a billboard, like this opportunistic drive past on the freeway, show people what's going on. We should think about it more like like a landing page. Like people who are going to come to your social media it's because they've heard of you. They're mm-hmm. looking to validate something about you and you can set up your social media. I have, I've like actually like publishing a webinar probably next week, um, that will be available. Uh, maybe we can like offer a discount code to your people. Um, but the, but the whole point of it is 
what does it look like to take your Facebook page and turn it into a landing page instead of a content stream? What does it look like to take your Instagram and turn it into a landing page instead of a content stream? Because it's so much less effort. It is every bit as respectful and right. It's still, you're still showing up for your audiences. If they go looking for you, you're there. It's not like an abandoned channel. So you set it up so that intentionally greets them and pushes them to the right, the right next channel, whatever that is. So that, so that's the low hanging fruit. Stop, stop wasting your time on social media, unless you can demonstrate real impact with it. Don't do it anymore. So, and would you, I would reallocate my time then, right? Reallocate right. your time into those efforts yeah. that are now driving you can send a different audience. newsletter to your, fu- your foundation uh, funders, your private donors and your stakeholders. Now right. You, you can collect really good video to like put out for your next, your big event that you're putting in, in front of an audience that you already have uh, like 200 people who are coming, who are living there, who are ready to, to generate some value. Ooh. Yep. Wow. That really just hit me really hard. That also hit the way I'm thinking about things because I know just being, just saying that out loud um, Mm -hmm. feels risky, right? Is there, how else would you recommend us to, to think about our time in a way? And I know this is tying into our webinar, our webinar topic. So please give us a quick little plug with what we're going to be talking about delegation wise um, and being nonprofit leaders. How can we spend our time wisely? Yeah. So it's, it's funny because like I've been working really hard. This is like a, a process and a system um, that I've been refining for a really long time. And, you know, obviously like um, it was prime time when I had a bunch of employees, you know, and had an audience and, or when I had an agency. And in revisiting the material and building the deck and all that kind of stuff, it's like preparation, communication open mind, like curiosity, open-mindedness. You know what I mean? It's like most people think delegation breaks because people don't know what to do or they don't care or whatever. And that is really not the case. It's Mm -hmm. usually just that like, we didn't take the time to clarify (laughs) and set clear expectations and take the responsibility for what I call the asker, right? So I like to find there's like the asker and the doer. And there's no hierarchy there. The asker could be your 10-year-old who like needs you right. know, something specific <laughs> to take to school tomorrow. Like there's no hierarchy. It's it's the asker and the doer. And the work is to make sure that um, even though like mind reading still is not a thing, we have agreement and alignment on what, not just what, when and how the thing is going to get done. And so this is just, so, so all I'm doing here is like walking you through a little bit of a process, a little bit of a script to make sure that we don't have to go back and revisit. We don't have to revise. And it's funny because that's like that brief that I described, you know, those five questions I talked about is like a perfect example. When you, when you do that ahead of time, it's super clear what is the goal of the work and what are we trying to accomplish? And so we don't have to go back and iterate over and over again. Right. And this is, this is, I don't do this in the delegation and this isn't the question you asked, but as a, somebody who has done copywriting for my clients, as somebody who is, I consider myself a writer, there is also an opportunity, I think for a lot of organizations to understand that writing there's, there's so much personal preference in writing style 
Mm. And I, and, and for me, the delegation is it can, it can, I want it to start to solve the uh, iterating for personal taste instead of for like actually the goal that we're trying to accomplish, right? Who's it for? Where are they in their journey? What are we asking them to do? Like, if it does those things, I don't care if you don't like it. <laughs> that and doesn't I think, matter. Right. Like, know? is it accomplishing its goal? Does it fit the brand? Like, am I being thoughtful? Right. Like, that's yeah. Yeah. what it are the goals? To, you know, and sometimes we get caught up in executing over p- planning and being thoughtful yeah. about what we're executing on. Um, if you're building and a house in a wrong spot, right? Like, you've still built right. the house, but it's not on the right street. Yeah. Exactly. But it's, but like, if it's not done the way you would have done it, that doesn't mean it's not it's, done. And that doesn't mean it's not good. I think sometimes yeah. Um, yeah. allowing ourselves to let other voices emerge. Um, it's hard. It's, it's hard, really hard because, ourselves. Yeah, because our competence is the thing that allowed us to get this far. And so we yeah. got to hold on to it with both hands. Like I've been there, man. I totally get it. I totally get it. But so the delegating helps because you can start to, I mean, my experience is you start to trust people a little bit more and they start to trust you a little bit more. And as a result, you can let stuff go and yeah, level up, level up. And that's why, that's why it's so important to me. Like, that's why I consider healthy delegation, purposeful work because it stops wasting time. It stops wasting goodwill. It actually is like when you can do this thing well as an organization, you can get more done in less time. And so can you, and can you dive in here a little bit? Um, Now this is selfishly for me, like as in nonprofits, we love to say yes. Like we're people who are givers. We have sometimes not great boundaries. So is it just the practice of doing, of saying no, of saying, of being really thoughtful about what you give away, right? Like there's that perfectionism in there. Um, Is it just doing it will help you get better at it? Yes. Don't yeah, I was hoping you'd say no, Celine. There's a no. there's another formula that I have for you. <laughs> so there, so there's a couple of things. Obviously, right? Culturally, we see the system where like we feel under resourced, and so we mm-hmm. act under resourced, yes. and we, and we expect to be under resourced, and so we right like all those things are true. And and I'm sorry, like it's that sucks. Um, but and this is the thing I do cover in the webinar. Like, bottom line is. The doer, the people who are executing, need to be responsible for their own workloads, which means because if they say yes, but then somebody else can just come in and put something on their to-do list without their permission, then their yes doesn't matter, right? If they can't say no, then yes doesn't mean anything. And so everybody has to have a clear understanding of what they've committed to, what is the timeline? What is the the workload that they are actually going to have to do so that they can like honestly and accurately say, yes, I can do that by Friday or yes, I can finish this thing for you before the client deadline or whatever it is. Right. But you have to be able to say no. Otherwise, yes, doesn't nobody can believe your yes. And that like, again, this is from EDs all the way on down. Like this is just a cultural thing that we need to get on board with. You have to say no or else no one will believe your ass. Oh, put right. that on a t-shirt. Like, Lindsay, that's our time. Some, <laughs> some collateral here. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, A, I've adored talking to you, but can you close us out? 
what is your one piece of advice? Like what is one thing that you'd want us to take away as nonprofit leaders and storytellers? Okay. I feel like I've been a little hard on, on your audiences and uh, I'm not going to lighten up. <laughs> Ready? Never. Please Here don't. It Here it is. Only bad marketing is overhead. Ooh. Okay. Keep going. If you are focusing on your right audiences, being intentional about your calls to action, making sure the appropriate skill set is applied to execution of the work, marketing should produce results. And if marketing doesn't produce results, it's not the fault of the individual. It's not the fault of marketing. It is your approach. It is your strategy. And I, I like you removing like the person from the failure because it's not, it's like, let's try a new tactic. Let's try something else that might work. And marketing is changing so rapidly at a pace that's remarkable. And what we expect from marketers and expect from people to know the new things that come out right every day, the new tactics and the attention economy, we know how hard we're not paying attention. And when you're when you're making a difference, when you're not, maybe not selling a product that's on TikTok, right? It's yeah. a little bit harder to reach people. Oh my so gosh. I love that. Let me, let me just add this. Like when I was a fourth grade teacher, I went to school. I learned, I, I studied, I learned, I mm-hmm. like, I would, did not wake up one day and like was a fourth grade teacher. Like I had to work at it. I had to learn. And so I've always sort of that showed me this perspective. Like, yeah, I did great when I was in the fourth grade that did not qualify me to teach fourth grade. And, (laughs) and, and, and this is one of the, I'll just name this other problem that we see, right. Which is like, Oh, you're a young person. You grew up with social media. You do it. Like being a digital native does not mean you have the skill set to use marketing to accomplish organizational goals. Like take a step back and think about what we're asking people to do. So, so it's just this whole, like, yeah. So I am very defensive on behalf of people who are asked to do marketing when they either don't want to, or don't know how or whatever, because that is, I mean, with strategy and with training and coaching and mentoring, of course, everybody can learn how to do these things. Like, I don't think there's anything. It's not, private access. Um, but also we need to be honest about the fact that like, just cause you grew up with Facebook doesn't mean you know how to market on Facebook. Okay. That just gives me and building in time for you to upscale, building in time for you to invest in your yeah. skills is yeah. you deserve it. Like you deserve that. You can't just Absolutely. execute. We all need to keep learning. Um, so Lindsay, you also have beautiful resources on your website. You have a lot of things you offer. So give us a plug. Where can we connect with you and follow you and find you? So my website is at open-lines.co. Um, and there you can learn about my consulting and my workshops and all that kind of stuff. Um, where else? I'm about to launch a whole bunch of online um, courses uh, at the end of next month, which I'm really excited about. Um, and then LinkedIn. That's where, that's where there's, um, I would encourage anybody who got value from this conversation, um, starting in April of this year, um, 
I did a whole LinkedIn series about nonprofit marketing myths. Mm. And so I was posting two or three days a week, these little nuggets about nonprofit marketing myths. And I think that is, it could be some really valuable information. If you go back and you find those um, and something resonant, like, please comment, please message me. Like that's LinkedIn is sort of my, um, my home base, my community. So that's where you can find me. Thank you, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being so generous with your time. And make sure you head over to our website, memoryfox.io, and dig into our resources. We have an amazing webinar that you can replay that was live with Lindsay on how to become a kick-ass delegator. It is fantastic content. You definitely want to dive into that, especially as you're kicking off your 2023. So thanks again, Lindsay, for being so generous with your time and your expertise. We loved having you here. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning into Storytelling with a Purpose. We're loving season two, digging into actionable strategies to help you. And remember, head over to memoryfacts.io, dig into our resources. Not only do we have our podcast episodes, we have a ton of webinars on demand. We have a lot of actually live webinars coming up where you can be face-to-face with experts who really want to help you and your nonprofit get to the next level and a number of other resources. So thank you for being a part of our Fox community. We are so grateful. And Carly and I will see you more this season for Storytelling with a Purpose.